Muchas gracias, José Antonio. Gracias. Thank you for this. Uh, we will say maybe there'll be the there'll be a questions for for Imotero. So I put in paper some of the of the factors of, of my uh, uh, intervention here, but uh, to save time, it will be at the end. So I will give the floor of John Francis Leder, European Federation of Psychologistics Association. Thank you very much. <laughs> I try not. <laughs> Is this the right pronunciation? I, I, I try myself. <laughs> leader, leader is good. We have a lot of we, we have a lot of words, don't we? You know, that's a starting point. A lot of words. Uh, thank you so much uh, to the organisers for this uh, event today. It's a, it's a great event. It's been really satisfying to attend, and to everybody who's attending here in person and uh, and online virtually. Um, I think it's just very satisfying generally that there is so much good momentum in this area and particularly the diversity of stakeholders and people who are interested and people with lived experience and people looking at the, the topic from different perspectives. So that's a really good thing, but also you'll have noticed a really challenging thing as well. And it's tricky, isn't it? Because if you go very broad and you try and be inclusive of all factors, you end up saying almost nothing. And then if you go too narrow, you end up being too narrow, and that's a problem as well. So I think everybody in this room can probably identify uh, with that challenge from a policy and a, a practical perspective. So the European Federation of Psychologists Associations, EFPA, uh, we're an umbrella organization of 37 uh, countries, uh, all the EU uh, states and some surrounding European countries and a number of associate members as well with specialist interests uh, related to psychology. And what, what's interesting for us, I suppose, is that in a way we have a kind of a microcosm of that bigger question, of that bigger challenge, because of course psychology is so broad and mental health is only a subset of psychology. There, there, there's so much going on and then youth mental health as a specialism within that. So it's something we've kind of wrestled with a little bit in terms of clarifying, you know, what, what, what do we focus on? How do we, you know, there's about 350,000 psychologists in our member networks. How do you sum up in any meaningful way some of their expertise and what they have to say on some of these very important topics? But I suppose what's interesting is that we've come to realize that that confusion is an advantage in many ways. Because things, like back in my home university, in University College Dublin, we have a, a media and entertainment psychology lab. So somebody might say, well, okay, that's very interesting. Does that have anything to do with mental health? And it turns out quite a lot. <laughs> and, and this is, I think, what we're realizing in a lot of different areas. So I think I'll, I'll say a few words, if I can, about some of the areas of focus that we're considering important. But... This is what's emerging, and looking at the Commission's comprehensive approach to mental health, I think was a very good example of this. I think we love how comprehensive it is and how comprehensive it's become. The challenge for all of us is how can we make it more integrative? How can we draw those different pieces together? Because I, I think I see a couple of things happening. One is sometimes siloing, where we're kind of doing the same thing separately, which is good, at least, at least they're happening. Or the other thing, even more challengingly, is the psychological phenomena of uh, the bystander apathy effect, which is where several people see the same challenge. And it's not that they don't even see it. They all see it and they all care. But they all kind of freeze because they think somebody else has got it. So there's a kind of a coordination issue. 
So we all need to work on that. And within EFPA, we're trying to work internally to say, how do we, you know, with all these different branches of psychology, collaborate together so these diverse specialisms are actually supporting each other, mental health in the workplace, as well as in schools and other places. And then even non-mental health related topics traditionally can still support mental health and, and youth mental health. But it really strikes me that for the European Union, for the Commission, for these institutions, this is what they're best at if they're used well. Because, you know, of course, things have to happen on the ground. They can never really happen in policy rooms. But that coordination bit, if I have one kind of request from today, for all the powerful people uh, that you may be or that you may know, that's the thing. If we can kind of get that right and figure that out, I think the efficiencies there could be extraordinary and we can collaborate together uh, much more efficiently. So what we focused on to, in trying to do that uh, within EFPA is uh, seven topic areas that uh, have kind of emerged, I suppose, as key focus points that serve as pillars in a way so that we don't see them as entirely separate things. They all overlap and interconnect a little bit. But again, the idea is not to be too broad, so we lose focus, but not also too focused, so it becomes narrow and we miss the holism of, of what's happening. So the first one is commitment to mental health in all policies, which of course is uh, what's been recognized and what's happened. Social determinants are a very real thing. Mental health doesn't happen in a vacuum. And uh, the social determinants, I mean, um, MEP Cyrus Engerer was nicely talking about cultivating crops earlier, and I, I resonated with that metaphor. Because in a way, youth mental health is, is an apple on a tree in an orchard. And no matter how good an orchard keeper you are, you cannot force an apple to grow. You, you can't demand it. You can't legislate for it. You can't, you can't make it happen. What you can do, though, is come down through the branches of the tree down into the roots and say, what can we nourish the tree with so that it's more likely to, to produce healthy apples? And... That's, that's what we need to do, essentially. So there's good stuff happening. Um, inclusion of stakeholders with lived experiences is, is something crucially important to this, which is gladly becoming more the norm. Um, great stuff happening, of course, in terms of the Commission's ongoing momentum. But, as I say, we want it to be comprehensive, but also uh, maybe a little bit more integrative. So there are those frameworks that can hold the various stakeholders and support them as they do the good work uh, that they're able to do. Uh, World Health Organization we've heard from today. EFPA is a member of the Pan-European Mental Health Coalition, so we're very happy with what's happening there. We want to see that continue. And, of course, generally, I mean, the UN with the Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Resolution as well this summer, it's just another nice step in that direction of really kind of underwriting some of these points that I think we're increasingly recognizing. So that's number one. Number two, mental health is a core part of societal crisis response. There seem to be a lot of them, and again, it's something we really need to be very focused on, that mental health and youth mental health in particular, the effects that are caused by so many societal crises, they have to be a central focus in how we respond. Uh, the third point of our seven points is community-oriented mental health services. So again, that's been mentioned a few times today, World Health Organization very much pushing that position. 
I think that's a big part in reaching vulnerable groups when we talk about that, normalizing services, having them readily available and accessible in the community, and having them just as a normal part of functioning, really. Not that in a moment of desperation something is there, we want that too, but we also want it there preventatively um, in that way too. Uh, number four, mental well-being in the workplace. So this is, I think, a big thing for young people in terms of the, the workplace and it being able to adapt to individual needs, challenges that we might have, and being able to uh, have a flexibility, I suppose, about it. The pandemic in some ways has helped us there because it's maybe challenged our notions for how things necessarily need to be done, caused challenges, but also maybe made us rethink things a bit. So I think that's an important topic area. Number five of our seven points is climate change. And again, something that particularly for young people has a, a particular existential meaning. And again, the one thing psychology teaches us, I suppose, is that it's not so much the level of challenge that even causes stress or pressure. It's challenge, but the difficulty in responding to that challenge. What do you do? It's so big. Where, where, where's the lever that you pull in order to, to, to make things improve? So, of course, just the, when you combine media and climate change, genuine challenges, but also then an amplification of them that can lead to an awful lot of stress. And that's something I think we really need to be focused on addressing. Number six, mental health training and standards. So as EFPA, we uh, run the EuroSci program to try and uh, promote uh, good training, good quality of mental health care. And that's something we're very keen on seeing to continue for obvious reasons. There is often a shortage of staff and we wanna make sure that the standards are high. Now, final point is equality of access, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop with this one. But in equality of access, uh, something we're including there is digitalization. And we thought about this, and we're like, is digitalization its own point? And we thought, no, because when we talk about social media or any of these things, I think we st still sometimes use an old terminology where it's a binary. It's virtual or it's physical. You know, it's digital or it's the real world. And we're past that point now. If, if, if we needed a push, the pandemic was that push. And we're in a kind of a hybrid era now. So what I would really advocate that, that we do in this space, and there's an awful lot of research happening in it, is getting good at really occupying those spaces mindfully, really understanding them, equipping people with the tools to look after themselves and each other in those spaces. If we take a binary approach, if that's dangerous, so potentially avoid it, then it's the Wild West because we're pulling back from that space and people are there anyway. Of course, if we jump in without thought, that's also not good either. So I'd love to think we can do a good job of that middle ground and on that principle of using lived experience. You know yourself, if you want to get your computer fixed, you know, find a 12-year-old. That, that's where the expertise is. So we need to be doing something similar in the digital space as well. Bring in the policy that we have and maybe the expertise that people who have been around a while have but also really listen to people who are using the technology. And the final point I'll make with that is that uh, we're only getting started. <laughs> because my, my research is particularly in experiential technology and in artificial intelligence, and you do not need to be told you know, what's going on at the moment, and uh, we're only getting going. So I think this is a good opportunity, the calm before the storm, and I don't even mean that in a bad way. I just mean we're gonna be busy over the next while. So if we can really hold that idea of understanding these technologies, exploring them, taking a co-creative process around them, 
then we're actually in with the chance of using them in a way that sometimes is said is co co complementary to well-being rather than competitive. So we're working with them uh, in that way. So thank you very much. Um, yes, and this is a distinction we wrestle with quite a bit because there are very different cultures in each yeah. country of how the professions are developed and there are overlaps between psychiatry and psychology and sometimes various forms of therapy and psychotherapy as well. And what we're finding is in all of the 37 countries that are our members, often the words mean rather different things in different places. So this is part of the challenge again. of, of and, and we feel sorry, I suppose, for the person, the young person who's there looking for support, who, you know, if we can't even figure it out, you know, how can they? So I think that's something we're trying to, as part of our point six there, in terms of our regulation and standards, is getting much better at identifying and labelling and having pathways, I suppose, to good services. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, I make the distinction because as a <laughs> as was a student, I have two examines: one on psychiatry, the other on psychology. So they are different. <laughs> well, well, just firstly to say that what wonderful questions, because I think you know we could give any amount of time to them. They're very good, substantive points, which should be policy discussions. Each one of them, you know, in and of themselves. So, so thank you for for the thoughtful points. Um, Maybe just to say something very briefly about each, just because they all intersect, I think. One is on the point of, of physical activity. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, there isn't a bit of research that's done nowadays, whatever the focus is, that doesn't have a piece about the importance of, of physical activity. So it's a really important point. We need to keep encouraging it. We need to stay mindful of it. And what I'm hopeful for as well with the digitalization point is digitalization, because it's becoming more integrated with day-to-day -day living, it's not this old-fashioned idea of sitting indoors watching television. Now, you know, you're moving in virtual environments and in real world, maybe your, your app is actually getting you out and about. So I'd have some hopes in that area, but we need to keep working on that, of course, tech-wise, to make sure that that actually is what happens. On the pandemic transition uh, point, yeah, because there was such a big focus for a period of time, we really got to keep that going. I hope some of the hybrid era gives us an excuse to do that because there's such strange and novel things happening. I'm hoping that will keep pushing the topic forward again. I don't know, but we just really need to stay committed to, to, to focusing on that. And I love the point about really the family unit and the effects of um, how, do you, how do you work with parents, with teachers, with young children themselves. And it's a very challenging thing because, of course, you know, to expect a young child, these are complex topics. But on the other hand, as we were saying, though, they have the lived experience, so in a way they're the expert. So I think I'm a real big fan myself of really trying to approach all levels and just overlap so that, you know, the kid can say to the parent, you know, why, why aren't we availing of these supports or why aren't we using these tools? Even if they don't fully understand what they are, their peers maybe are talking about them a bit more, just like they would any other thing in popular culture. Likewise, the teachers are talking about it, the parents are. So that would be my hope, I suppose, if we can have a layered effect, that we have some chance, because it is a tricky area. On the point of, um, of specialities and uh, tailor-made interventions as well, I, that's another very interesting area where the technology, I think, is good. Because what's happened a lot of the time is we've had these kind of default approaches for supporting people, which 
is understandable in some ways because they've needed to have been evidence-based. But I think we're entering a real new era now for personalized care. And that same algorithm we talked about on Spotify can be used to actually tell us a lot about a person and design. Again, where I research, you know, music therapy is used quite a bit to be able to bring in the right songs that evoke affect in a positive and a supportive way rather than going down the loop that we talked about before. So I would really have, it's a, it's a big topic area, but I'd have some hope if we can really keep pushing that, that personalized care is actually viable. I think we've always wanted it, but it's just been very hard resource-wise to achieve, but the tech might help us. And very finally, on that point about professional standards, uh, which I think is a, is a really important topic area, that's part of what uh, EFPA's Eurosight program is trying to do on a European level, is find some good kind of standards and benchmarks because there's so many different things going on and it's very confusing. And a big, a big issue, of course, we face is with professional mobility between different countries then. I mean, how, how do you do that if there's different schemes happening everywhere? So we're working to try and advocate for some you know, good standards around that. Uh, I really like where you're going in terms of this question of the way I like to think of it is, is you know, is politics too important to be left to politicians? Is psychology too important to be left to psychologists? And yeah, I think this is the answer, essentially. It's something like physical fitness, I suppose, we want, isn't it? That your mother and your father are telling you something about it. We're telling each other and encouraging each other. We all have some expertise, but of course we still have specialists, needless to say, to ensure that there's, there's good standard uh, uh, regulation uh, ha happening. So I suppose if, if people with high levels of expertise can play a supervisory role, but we can have people you know, within the community and community-focused approaches more broadly, I think that would be really nice. And the other slight angle of that that we're thinking about within psychology is thinking laterally as well. Because again, if you have, let's say, work and organizational psychologists, and then you have educational psychologists, and then you have clinical psychologists, and then you have people who work in media and entertainment, Again, some of those might have saw mental health more as their role and others less so, but if we could all actually share it in terms of owning the social determinants, that hopefully eases the load as well if, if we're doing it collaboratively. Uh, uh, thank you, John.